Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Oh yeah, God. <laughs> yeah, I got it now. I, I, the number's over too. <laughs> oh, that's how you do it. How clever. <laughs> All right, are we ready? Living wisely, living well. September twenty-first. If a mood oppresses you, offer it into a wider perception of reality. Moods are like waves. No matter how tall a wave. The ocean level never changes. Live at that point inwardly, where nothing can affect you. Before we can really talk about this, I think we really have to talk about what a mood is. Um, Because sometimes people confuse the word mood with the word feeling, or the word word mood with, with the word emotion, or feeling with the word emotion. Part of the problem is, that in the English language, all these words kind of move around together and people put their own interpretations on it. We don't really have a a sort of a clear understanding. Um, In the language of Sanskrit, which I don't really have any real knowledge of at all, I just know a random word here and there, um, the subject matter is nuances of consciousness. And so the, the people who spoke Sanskrit, so to speak, were extremely interested in the subject of consciousness. So their language uh, defines very subtly different uh, levels of consciousness, different perspectives, different relationships of the ego to the infinite, um, different nuances of how energy passes through us. And I only know a few of those words, really very few, and the ones that we use, we use because there really is no English equivalent. One of my favorite is jiva, which in English could be called the soul, but when you talk about the soul in English, you're talking about both the individualized spark of spirit, and then you're talking about the self that is one with the infinite. So it does get a little confusing. The word jiva is a very exact word, which means that individualized aspect of spirit, which is the continuous um, bubble of consciousness that, that that is the thread through all our incarnations, and even after we get have God-realization and the bubble merges into the ocean, the bubble still floats in the ocean. That's the jiva. Um, and so that's just one word, smriti, um, which I believe has appeared in these um, words, in these uh, aphorisms, in these instructions already. Smriti means divine memory. It's the memory of who we are in spirit. It's not just remembering something that I forgot at the store. You can't say smriti. Oh, thanks to smriti, I remembered to get the peanut butter. That doesn't make any sense. Smriti means the awakening, the realization within us that this this life is just temporary, that I am, in fact, one with the infinite. And the reason we call it memory is because it's a truth that was always there that we lost track of. So we don't learn it. We just remember it, literally exactly what the word means. So anyway, so coming back, when we talk about moods in English, we have to just sort of make an agreement about what we're talking about. And because, of course, I've 
read and studied Swami Kriyananda's writings for years, I know what he means when he talks about a mood. And, and there's a general understanding. A mood tends to be a feeling that comes over you and then goes away. And there's a, a slight inclination for mood to mean negative. I'm really in a mood today. I'm really feeling moody. I don't know why I'm so moody, but I'm just so moody. We tend not to say it when we mean that our mood is upward and elated. In fact, I think now that I think about it, it's because when we're happy, we don't think of it as a mood. We think about, of it as our natural state, which is a subconscious smriti. <laughs> it's a realization that our natural state is actually happiness, then something comes in and intrudes upon that happiness and takes it away from us. And so then we're in a mood. But when the mood leaves, what's left is happiness. Now I know that's not true for everyone, but if you think about it, that's the, that's the way the language runs because that's generally how our consciousness runs. So the first understanding there of the word mood is that it's temporary. It's not who we are. It's just what Swami describes. It's the waves on the ocean. Now, um, Swamiji often said that the reason uh, theologians and some religions claim that hell is eternal is because whenever you're in it, it feels like it's going to last forever. And that means whenever you're in a mood, whenever a dark mood captures you, part of what dark moods do for us is they take away our hope. Or they make us feel like it's hopeless. And so when you feel like it's hopeless, there's no end to this. This is how I feel now. This is how I will always feel. The opposite of mood, you might say, is hope. Because whenever you have hope, then you're already thinking that this is going to pass and something else is going to come. So Swami's essential instruction is about those temporary states of, let's call them confusion, because they, they cloud smriti, they, they distract us from our divine memory, those temporary states of confusion, what he says, offer it into a wider awareness of reality. Because the very nature of a mood, as I'm saying, is that it's temporary, often it's causeless, or the cause, the reaction is exaggerated compared to the cause. And so therefore we have really distorted um, our perception of life. But again, as I say, the nature of a mood is that we plunge into it and we become deeply committed to it. So what Swami is encouraging us to do is even you know, when we are not captured by a mood, remind ourselves that these things come and go so that at least some part of our consciousness can remain even just a tiny bit detached. In other words, there will be a modicum of hope. Because if we can remain even a tiny bit detached, we will realize that this is now, but this is not forever. Now, what's important to understand is also the difference between emotion and feeling, because it's very much tied to the whole idea of a mood, and it's also very much tied to how we can uh, master our moods and not have them become the master of us. So Swamiji also makes a difference, a distinction, between emotion and feeling, which again is just defining English words clearly enough that at least when we're talking to each other, we know what we're talking about. Feeling is a fundamental element of consciousness. In fact, 
consciousness and feeling are actually inseparable. That's why the definition of God that is the most, um, the best, I think, for, for a student of self-realization is Satchitananda. Satchitananda is a Sanskrit word which means ever-existing, ever-conscious, ever-new bliss. And chit, chitta, we're, we're, we're not only conscious, but, but we have, we feel at the same time, and what we feel is bliss. So the eternal, ever-conscious awareness is of bliss. So there's a feeling inherent in it. When we come down to, to our very, um, the eternal, un- unconditioned reality, that condition, the, the reality, is bliss itself. In other words, feeling is, is who we are. So it's, it's a grave mistake on the spiritual path, which some people make, to think that I'm supposed to overcome feeling and that I'm just supposed to sort of become like a dry, dry leaf. Now, different paths emphasize different aspects. So there is a, a validity to this kind of dry aloofness. It simply doesn't attract me at all. And it absolutely is not the way Paramahansa Yogananda, the way Master and Swamiji expressed the spiritual life. Both of them were enthusiastic, creative, overflowing with joy. Their, their fundamental awareness was of bliss, and then everything they did was an expression of that. The enthusiasm, the creativity, the music, the poetry, the courage, the, 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 even the, the warrior-like qualities which both of them expressed in, in their lives in facing and overcome obstacles and Master had had in previous incarnations as a king and a warrior, which he talked about where he expressed that even as a God-realized Master, he went to war because he was fighting a righteous battle. Uh, Krishna and, and Arjuna in the Bhagavad Gita, they were in war, but it was an expression of their bliss nature. The joy of, of being in the light demanded certain actions in this world to suppress, to, to eradicate darkness, to, to follow the Dharma that was given to them, which was to use the light to drive away the shadow. So even then, that feeling, there was always a feeling there. And, but the nature of feeling is that it emanates from the center of our being. When we're in a state of bliss and we're in a state of deep feeling, which of course can also be love, can also be kindness, can be compassion, um, uh, calmness. We can be in a state of deep feeling, but instead of scattering our energy, it makes us deeper and stronger in ourselves. So we all know, or I hope we all know, or can imagine, those moments when there's just so much clarity and so much depth of feeling that far from causing us to be agitated, it brings us into a state of of stillness or near stillness and often into a state of deep silence. Now, emotion is when feeling becomes agitated and moves out of its center and begins to grab on to limited conditions. I'm so in love with this person. 
I just have to have them with me. And when, when, when we're getting along, I'm so happy. And when we're not getting along, I'm so unhappy. You know, uh, even sometimes the way we love our children, we've latched onto them so strongly. It may start from that powerful emanation of feeling, but it becomes this anxious anxiety. And when we don't know where they are, we don't know what's going to happen. And when they get in a little trouble, we become exceedingly agitated. And our feeling has, and the only word is it, it's degenerated into an emotion. It's the difference between living in the trunk of a tree and making our reality at the end of one of the branches. The life force of that branch emanates from the trunk. But if we're sitting on the branch and bouncing on the branch and clinging to the branch and making all of our happiness or unhappiness based on the branch, we're in an emotion because the branch is cut, we fall to the ground. If our, even all the way out at the branch, our love for our children, our infatuation with our partner, our passion about our career, emanates from that feeling of bliss, even though we extend our energy all the way out to the leaf, we never extend our self-identity out to the leaf. I am the trunk of the tree reaching out to the leaf. And if we can balance, because, because deep feeling, as I was saying, is a profound characteristic of every advanced spiritual soul you meet. They weep more easily and more with a more of an open heart than anyone you will ever meet. Their compassion toward people knows no limit. Their sensitivity toward other people's reality is the same as their sensitivity to their own. But it's always from the center of the from the center of themselves. I watched Swami go through so many experiences, but I never saw him leave his center. He could go out to the farthest branch but he did it from his center. So mood, of course, is completely dependent on emotion and is completely conquered by a return to feeling. So don't think that we deny the feeling. If we're sad, we're sad. If we're disappointed, we're the same. If we're hurting for others, we are. But if we do it as a feeling from the center, and odd as it sounds, as an emanation of our divine bliss, Swami described once, love is bliss in action. Because I live with Divine Mother's joy, I can take her energy and give it and experience it and enter into this world. But the mood, it never turns into a mood because I'm always standing in my deeper reality. So Swamiji says, if a mood oppresses you, offer it into a wider perception of reality. Moods are like waves. No matter how tall a wave, the ocean level never changes. Live at that point inwardly where nothing can affect you. God bless you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners. So if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.